Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Well, I'm excited today. We have a guest who is a self-made man who's reinvented him multiple times. He uh, started out as a dance fever dancer, traveling the country uh, for things like uh, the Playboy Mansion and uh, Neil Sedaka. uh, and eventually doing a tour of disco magic, uh, eventually became a flight attendant and then went back to school to become a landscape architecture, which you started your own business Correct. and got to express your creativity through landscaping. And more recently, you have gotten your real estate license and you are now doing real estate. So you've done like the dancing, the entertainment, the land, the earth, Selling yeah. houses, you've done it all, and um, so I'd like to welcome Frank Andrello. So, well, thank Frank, you. great thank to you have you here. So this, so I love this show because I get to uh, ask you questions. Um, no, I don't have to answer. Well, I, I guess I could, but um, no, it's it's really for me. It's really starting to explore about what people's choices are, life choices, and how you got to where you are. And so you started out doing dancing. I did. And that was probably a lot of fun and some little perks. You were young and everybody was like, that's Frank the Dancer. Um, Like, how did you get into the dancing? And then what led you to leave dancing and and go elsewhere? Happened sort of organically. I just had a girlfriend at the time. We um, uh, Disco was very popular. We started going out to clubs. We started dancing. We really enjoyed ourselves and we started getting really, really good. Uh, Entered contests and – there for a while wouldn't you know wouldn't uh, rank anything at in, at any contest and we started coming in second place all the time and then every single contest we entered we won um we were uh invited to uh go to the the playboy mansion had its 25th anniversary and <clears throat> we were invited to come out here and celebrate that with them um we went to we were invited to las vegas and uh did some shows out there uh neil sadaka had a club out there and we performed there and he uh, invited us back out for the next day at his club. I can't remember the name of the club that it, that was that we went to. Um, and then we were invited down to South America and Central America to do a few uh, exhibitions. It lasted about five years. At the time, it seemed like it was never going to end. Um, I felt like uh, you know we were a local celebrity, and I loved it. I loved the attention and. And then it just kind of wore out. And did the disco ball break? It, did they? Did disco just go out of style? Or, and was it pretty lucrative? I mean, did you make money at it? Or was the money in the prize winning? Was the well for somebody who was poor at the time? It felt mm-hmm. like a lot of money. Yeah. So okay. I mean, but no. I mean, in today's terms, no, it wasn't a lot of money. But it was fun and kept us. Uh, it was very interesting and fun and and met a lot of cool people. That's fun. And so when you said, you know, being young and poor, did you grow up with um, a lot of money, not a lot of money? Did you – like what was your – what was your growing middle up? Middle class family. I have three siblings. Um, my uh, parents were very middle class. We had a – we went to private schools, um, uh, lived in Miami. It was uh, – yeah, wonderful time. I don't have any bad memories of of growing up. Um, we were the type of family that sat down to dinner every night, right? And um, and we're still very close today. Actually, lost my dad this year, but uh, you know, my mom's still here, and and uh, yeah, we're all still very very close. Do you remember as a kid anything that your mom or dad actually said about money or any kind of message? Maybe they didn't say anything about it; they just gave you a look. Was 
they were a little more seat of the pants when it came to money. Ah. Um, my mother um, was not good with money at all. Okay. And my dad was good. He brought it home. <clears throat> she said he always she would always say he makes it I spend it. Um, and he was very good. He was. I got my entre, entrepreneur. Oh, I, it's a big word. I know what you mean. Entrepreneurial. That's good. There you go. Spirit through my, <laughs> from my dad. He was um, self-employed his whole life. Okay. And um, and I think that uh, you know, out of all the siblings, I was the only one who went out on my own and did mm-hmm. my own thing. They're all they all work for somebody. Um, okay. Yeah. And you, but you jump. So you did work for somebody for a bit when you worked for the airlines. I did. And what was the uh, the ballroom or the disco ball broke and the mirrors, you know, the mirror pieces shattered? And then you said, I want to see the world or what? No. Actually, I uh, had applied for the airline before the ball, the crystal ball, the uh, disco, that disco ball thing. Yeah. <laughs> broke. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, actually, it had to do with sexual orientation. I started realizing I wasn't. A heterosexual man. The girlfriend was a, wasn't going to work the out. Girlfriend wasn't going to work out, and, All right. and I was exploring other options. Other options. <laughs> <laughs> and on the friendly skies, that was maybe oh, a little very more easy. Very easy. Yeah, easy to explore that. And uh, what was the best part of of flying? I mean, you mentioned travel. Did you um, did you travel the world? Did, did. you and did. and what what would you what did you learn from getting to travel? Um, you learn about people um, that um, that. You know, being brought up in Miami and and not you know we traveled but we traveled just domestically and never internationally. Um, that no matter what you thought of anybody, um, when you started flying and you saw somebody speaking in a different language to their kid, I started to realize the world is a lot smaller than I thought, mm-hmm. and we are a lot more the same than we are different. Yeah, um, it was it was a wonderful experience. I think everybody should be required to fly for a few years. I mean, I know it's harder now. Mm-hmm. They don't get the same benefits that we did. We used to lay over for two or three days at a time. Oh, nice. In, in pretty exotic places. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, um, fun, interesting, opened your eyes to a lot of different cultures. And What was the most eye-opening trip? Like, when did you say, wow? Oh, my like, God. The first I just time, got it down. I could, I could bring it back right now is when my first international flight, and it was morning, and we were flying over London, mm. and I had never been to Europe, never been to um, England. And as we're flying over, I'm looking out of you know the window of that 747, and and it happened to be a beautiful day um, in in London, and it was spectacular. It just was the old world, and hadn't seen it. And Buckingham Palace was there. You could see Buckingham Palace in the distance, and it was it was amazing. It was it was a. Uh, I was probably 22 years old, and I couldn't wait to get off the plane to explore. Wow. And in those days you could. I could walk up to Ten Downing Street. You could walk up to the door. You know, wow. in the um in the early eighties before they put in you know, everything got crazy. Yeah, before it got crazy. So it was it was uh... what was it like getting a British pound? Like I just remember for me the first time I exchanged money, I was so scared. It was like because 'cause I'd never been out of the country ever. It did I, it, it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> There wasn't a lot of money in my pocket and Pan Am put it, you know, they drove us to the hotel, put us up in a nice hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, We got per diem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, they fed us. It was, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. I don't really remember being that concerned about money. Did your, 
when you were growing up and you said your parents were more fly by the seat of the pants with money, was there a particular mantra that they said or just like live and let live or was there anything that – Well, it's language. Can I, but no, that, you he, can, he didn't. No, he, he wouldn't say that. My parents wouldn't say that. But it was um, – you know, they they just – they were – they didn't have any money when they got married. They got married with $300. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My dad was a painting contractor mm-hmm. and – um. You know, they had hard times. They, you know, it was yeah. hard for them. He was young. They were both young. They got married very young. Um, my mom had me. Uh, uh, she was 21 years old, and she already had a, a daughter. Um, they got married in Georgia um, because she was too young to get married in Florida. Oh, wait, um, 20, wait, how old was she were they when they got married? She got married at 19, and I think it had to be – I think 21 was – was the legal? Oh, I was going to say in, in Tennessee and Alabama, that's pretty young. Uh, I mean, pretty old. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of my friends in fifth grade got married when she was thirteen. Um, that was not maybe quite standard, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, uh, yeah, they went up to uh, Georgia and eloped, and uh, about you know, year, year, nine months later had my sister, and a year and a half later had me, and eleven months later had my other sister, and five years later had my brother. Okay. <clears throat> That's and um, so you mostly so you grew up in Florida. I did um, beach all the time. A lot of beach. Yeah, yeah. Um, loved to ride my bike. I'm not somebody who liked to sit on the beach. We had boats, so we got mm-hmm. to go on the boat. We got like I like to ski. Did you surf? I did not surf. Yeah, because sharks can eat you. That's why I don't surf. <laughs> I don't go in past my ankles because there's bad things in the ocean. Yeah. Unless I'm on a boat, and then. You know. Well, that's how I learned how to ski. I was a little afraid to have my feet dangling in the water too long, so I learned how to ski really quickly. Yeah, that's cool. And then, um, okay, so what? Um, so then you were doing the traveling, um, working at the airline, not big paychecks. Nope. And so then, what made you decide to let that go and jump into going back to school and getting the landscaping? Well, I mean, what happened was I'm uh, drinking. I started getting out of control. Oh, okay. Um, so he took a little turn. Okay. Um, and I was uh, starting to get, um, you know, missing flights and oh, and uh, staying out late and some, you know, pretty bad behavior. Um, All right. Which I won't get into, but um, you know, I had a drinking problem. And, right. Um, cocaine was uh, rampant in South Florida, so we d- indulged in that as well. Perfect Coke, not Pepsi. Exactly. <laughs> and um, kind of got out of hand. And yeah. um, I finally uh, – the airline was on to me and then there was a professional standards committee that uh, kept calling me saying that, uh, you know, or, you know, you might want to get some help before they fire you. And finally one morning I woke up and decided that I'm going to get some help. And wow. um, I got sober down there and uh, went through a program I had been trying with the airline to, to uh, transfer out here. I always mm-hmm. wanted to live in L.A. <clears throat> and finally they um, – they, while I was in rehab, they, uh, the transfer came through and oh, cool. um, we decided to um, – I talked to the counselors and they decided it was probably a good idea for me to get out of South Florida. And so I took it and came out here and I've been here ever since. Oh, wow. And then when I – I flew for here, here for a couple of years and, and about <clears> – <throat> I was getting you know in my early 30s and, and I had decided there, that you know, this, there was a turning point and it was a fork in the road. And I thought if I continue – this job now, it's going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. If right. I don't take a chance and do something else, I'm going to, you know, it'll be fine. I'll make decent money. It'll be, you know, I'll have a pension and whatever. It'll be a simple life, but fine. Um, <clears throat> but I always 
um, oh, what I did was I, I, I started working for somebody to kind of, uh, uh, I had a lot of debt from my, uh, from my drinking days and, uh, wanted to repay that debt. So on the side, I was doing another job working for this landscape architect. Um, and, uh, we, you know, I started work for him. He was a little difficult to work for and he pissed me off one day and I thought to myself, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And then I registered for school and UCLA Extension has a uh, landscape architecture program and that's where I went. Cool. Yeah. And then you started your business and then, landscapes for the rich and famous. Well, there got one, the one again, that moment was I had a very big job in Beverly Hills and I had other people working for me and I was still flying. I was on a flight and I had eight people working on a job in Beverly Hills and I'm on a layover and, um, and the plants were being delivered, craned in big trees. It was a big job, concrete. It was big. And, um, at that moment I had realized that it was, you know, you, it's time to go. You gotta, you know, make a decision. And, and I went back and I resigned. Wow. And no regrets. None, none, none at all. And parents did, had regrets. Did they? Oh yeah. Cause they loved flying first class all around the world for nothing. Oh, but they don't do that anymore now, right? The airlines? Or do yeah, it's still? just hard to get on planes now. Oh, okay. In those days, they could get on any plane they any wanted. Plane. They, they even had their own tickets. They, I didn't have to call me. They wow. could go right to the airport, get on any plane, and they used to do that. They used to <clears throat> they used to call my, my dad would call my mom and say, hey, you want to go somewhere? They would grab a, a piece of luggage, go down to the airport, and whatever plane they could get on is what they were going to do that weekend. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. No, that's yeah, they cool. begged me to not quit. Don't quit. You're yeah, taking away our me. flying they privilege. They subsidized my income for a while if I wouldn't quit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Disappointment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. It's my life. Um, do you remember um, – so then you started doing the um, the landscaping and built that business up. Like if you just reflect back from all of that, even to your current um, doing real estate and all your investments and all those kinds of things, do you remember your – most rewarding paycheck, like a big check or a well-deserved paycheck or? Uh, well, I think that the first big land, uh, landscaping job I got was, you know, over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I thought that that was a lot of money. Pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. And I came home and I remember the day that I had, I was bound and determined not to file bankruptcy. <clears throat> I hadn't learned how to respect money. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn how to respect money. And I thought that all this wreckage of my past, I wanted to clear, clean up. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I'm going to pay these, these debts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did. And that day that I paid those debts mm-hmm. and I came back with a fistful of money. And I remember walking into my tiny little apartment in West Hollywood and throwing that money in the bed. Going, wow. wow I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Can you say a little bit more about not respecting money? Um, I, I just, you know, I, I used credit cards and I maxed them out and, <clears throat> and I had a good friend in South Florida who um, was very frugal and trying to teach me. She, she would sit me down and she'd go, here are your bills and here is your income. You know, a lot more bills than her income, right. you know, and um, um, and I slowly learned. You know, yeah. I slowly learned. It was – I got a little neurotic about paying my bills. I Even in the landscaping business, it became a joke with some of the nurseries. I would write the check twice, pay for the plants twice because I just didn't want to owe anybody any money. Um, and, um, and I see it with my family who I adore, but you know, they still live like that, you know, where they're, you know, credit card maxed and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And I do not live like that anymore. And I was going to ask if, and this, again, this isn't blaming or putting it on other people, but 
if you're around people that treat money a certain way, you sort of pick that up unless you then make a conscious effort to do it differently. Yeah. So I was wondering – that's what I was going to ask is did you see that maybe some of this non-respect or not appreciating maybe came from just family context sure. of like let's live in the moment? And yeah, they we'll lived worry. in the moment a lot. You yeah. know, my dad was good. He'd save, you know, mm-hmm. but my mother not. No, she would – you know, if she knew there was money in there, she'd spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was very good about having a little bit tucked away. Uh, so if somebody were to say to you, um, you know – well, I will say to you, how do you define success? Like what is success? What is enough? How do you know that you've – and maybe you don't think that you have. but When, how, when you can look yourself in a mirror and like what you see. Mm. And how long did that take? Long time. Mm. A very long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it had to do with the program. I'm still you know, sober and it's 33 years now and, uh, and it took a lot of work. You also did some investing in properties um, and still do. Um, And how did you get – like how did that come about? Did that come from the landscaping or was that just something else that – No, the first one I – first, I always knew I loved real estate. The first Mm -hmm. um, condo I bought was down in Florida and it was during my drinking days. And, um, you know, I was, I, I had bought a new car to impress, um, somebody and, um, and I was drinking a lot and I would go to a certain like bar or, um, a liquor store that I knew wouldn't, if I, if I bought something under $25, they wouldn't run it. They just get, let me have it. And, um, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Well, just the investing part. Like, what? How did you get into the investing? Like, you loved real estate, so and yeah. So I had a friend who helped me with this first place. Um, that you know, I ended up having to give it back to him. Um, when I came back and started cleaning up my act, <clears throat> I started saving money. And after I had paid off all my bills and accumulated a little bit of money, I had met somebody, um, and um, we had decided we were going to move in together. Mm-hmm. And it was this man who really introduced me to. Uh, real estate in California. Okay. Um, he was a lawyer and, um, he, uh, we talked about moving in together. Um, we had fallen in love and we, you know, wanted to, you know, move in together and give it a shot. And he says, ah, what do you, we're not going to rent an apartment. He says, let's, you know, let's go buy something. He goes, what, what's the big deal? If we break up, we'll sell it. And I thought, oh my God, I just thought that was how complicated can that be? And he right. just, you know, he was a lawyer. It's very smart. And He's like, don't worry, I'll sue you. (laughs) I was like, okay, all right, we'll work it out. So we bought our our, our first house and um, uh, in Silver Lake, and um, um, and that sort of started the ball rolling. He he just taught me how to do it. I was I got my I mean I my lessons came from a couple different people. I mean a lot of people. You know, Mm -hmm. taught me about money and how to respect money and how to respect life. And you know, um, money came from this person down in Miami, this girlfriend of mine uh, uh, named Sue. Um, uh, and then my friend Rick, who was my boyfriend for 12 years, he, you know, taught me about, you know, again, how to respect money. And, um, I was still, I had a lot to learn. Um, yeah. and, and I watched him and I watched how he paid his bills and I watched, you know, he was very successful and he was very smart and he was very well educated and he came from New York and it was, you know, it was fun to watch somebody smarter than me, mm-hmm. um, teach me how the world works yeah. and I paid attention. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm going to bring up a, a recollection and, and you can tell the rest of the story. Um, you had this beautiful duplex that you bought. I did. And you redesigned it, you landscaped it and it was a piece of art. Like it was 
magnificent. And everybody, I think, that knew you knew that you had this amazing creation. Um, and then one day you just sold it. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked because, you know, it was this beautiful thing that you had. And can you tell me a little bit about why you sold it? I mean, I know why, it's, but it's a um, simple answer. It's, I, I didn't want it to define me. It started to define me. It started to be who I was and I did not want it to be who I was. It was a big fancy duplex and I loved it. It was gorgeous. I, I had watched it for years before. I couldn't believe that I was able to buy it by myself right? and, uh, and made it work and worked the deal. And again, I didn't do nothing, anything by myself. It was all from lessons that I learned from sure. all these people that were in my life. And so I definitely am not taking credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked the deal <clears throat> myself. Bought this place, and I'll never forget the first day I walked into it. There's a 3,000 – my unit, the upper unit – was. And I own the whole building, but the upper unit was 3,000 square feet. So here's me and the dog in a 3,000-square-foot apartment. And, and I – waking up that first morning with only a bed in one of the bedrooms and walking around this big, huge duplex thinking, oh, my God, how did I do – you know, um, it, was, it was – I had arrived, I felt. You yeah. Know, but also a little a lot of fear. That was a lot of fear, too, but knew I could afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not that I couldn't afford it. Um, I was over the moon. I was, yeah. but, but I, but again, I see how <clears throat> I, I don't want to bring anybody else into this, how I could get wrapped up in something I owned. Right. And um, I felt like that wasn't anything I ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that I have a savings account. I like that I own property, um, but I like that it doesn't define me. I don't have to. And it happens almost every four or five years, anything that I happen to own, it's like, okay, time to get rid of it. Or, or I have a Palm Springs house now that I redid. That's pretty spectacular. And, um, but I'm Airbnb it. So right. <laughs> I feel like that's fine too. Right. And do you ever have moments where you look around and just say, wow, I can't believe this is my life. I do. Um, and then I have other moments that say, ah, not quite as successful as I wish I was. Mm. So. What, what's the missing piece? Like in those moments, what would have been the part that made it complete? There's, it's not, it's, <clears throat> that's, um, it's a fallacy. I, what I think it is, is, um, I, I, I really am super grateful on a daily basis. I'm grateful that I get to live where I get to live. Um, I love this city. Um, I'm grateful that I got to stay sober for as long as I did. I'm grateful that I have an abundance of friends. I'm <laughs> grateful that even a boyfriend that I had for 12 years who is now married to his husband for 17 years, that they are two of my closest friends. Um, I love that my accountant is a 30-year-plus friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he must be I, crazy. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the history that I have. You yeah. know, um, and the friendships that I have and the friendships that stem back from early on, um, the very, yeah, I'm at friends that are mine that are from grade school. Um, so I just, I think that what I wake up when I wake up every morning, what I feel most is gratitude. Yeah. And that sounds corny, but I swear I do. I look yeah. at that blue sky, I'll run up running Canyon. I'll, I'm lucky enough to drive a really nice car and I'll get my car and I, I, love my car and it's like you know and it's not about who who sees me in my car you right. know it's like i love this car it's a car i always wanted and i got to get the car right know? so i i i'm mostly you know, grateful for my dog grateful for i'm just really grateful yeah 
And would you say like if your parents were to give you a grade on on life success now, now that you you you, you didn't give them the free extra airline mileage after you quit, like would you say that they look at this and say, yeah, we're really like we're really they're happy. Very, they are very proud of me. And uh, <clears throat> my dad died in March, March 12th. And um, um, I had gone down there and spent a little time with him before he died. And um he um, he was 89 years old and he had lived a good life. And <clears throat> I had said to him, I said, you know, Dad, I, I really thought that I was more like Mom. I always thought I was more like Mom. I grew up and I was more like her. And, and it finally dawned on me, you know, a few years ago that really I'm more like you. And um, he had said to me, you know, be, one of the last things he said to me, he says, well, he says, if I had anything to do with the man you turned out to be, I'll die a happy man. So that's that's the kind of parents I have. They're that's cool. amazing. That's cool. And how, I mean, it sounds like that's a pretty important part of you growing into who you are is having people that rallied around you and people that supported you and people that believed in you. Always held me up in a pedestal. They, they always did. I was always, you know, somebody who stood out. I mean, they, my siblings would joke that I was the favorite. Mm -hmm. It's not true. They loved us all equally, but they would joke. And of course I would accept that. Right. <laughs> For sure. And confirm it with them. And confirm it. Absolutely. Everybody needs to know their place. Right. Um, do you – and what do you – and so like how do you pass on that? Like – and maybe you don't, but like is there a way that you take that information and, 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 and share that? By example. Yeah. Yeah. Live by example. I mean and you know, be there if somebody asks and don't give anybody any advice that doesn't want any. Mm. That's hard for a lot of people not to give advice uh, when it's not too, but really you get spanked a few times and then you stop. Yeah. You know, this is how I did it. This is how I, I I did it. You want this. This is how I got this. This is how I saved my money. This is how I started saving my money. Mm -hmm. So if I keep it about how I did it and it's an example of something they can employ, then good. Take it. It's all yours. Free. Do you still – like you talked about that place where you had to pay off the debts and you'd pay sometimes twice on an invoice just to be not in that debt. And have you relaxed from that? Are you still in that place? No, I'm always ahead of my bills. You're always ahead of your bills. And what is the – and like what's the what's the underwriting belief system or that you tell yourself, if I don't pay this bill – No, it makes me feel good to pay it. So if I pay this bill, I feel good because I don't know anybody? No, because I know that I'm not going to be late, and I know that I know that I'm ahead of the game. I like being a little ahead of the game. And what for you is the benefit of being ahead of the game? Like, what is the security? I sleep well at night. You sleep you know, well at night. It makes me feel good about myself that you know I'm clean. I did what I was supposed to do. Mm. What would you say is your like? If you look back, what was your biggest financial disaster decision? A like st- a stock I bought when the <laughs> When the uh, in two thousand eight, um, it was the um, reverse mortgage. I mean, the, the uh, subprime mortgages. Mm-hmm. I had bought, I had shorted, bought some shorted stock thing that I thought was going to go through the roof, and it mm-hmm. tanked, and I lost a couple hundred thousand dollars, and oh, I wow. w- was devastated. I mean, sick to my stomach. Want to mm. put a bullet in my head? Devastated. Wow. But that taught me a good lesson too. And did you make that stock investment on your own or did somebody I encourage it on my own. It was all on your own. You're like, I have this great thing. idea. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get rich on my own. I know better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I learned my lesson. Yeah. 
and fortunately it didn't break me. So yeah, it did teach me a very good lesson. What is your favorite thing to spend money on? Uh, I like restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I like clothes, um, but not crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do like driving a nice car. Um, but I like to eat. I like to go to nice restaurants. Mm-hmm. Do you still travel now? I do. I just came back from Europe. Mm. Um, took a, uh, went to Venice. There's a few th- places I saved when I was a flight attendant that I knew when I got older, I was going to want to go to someplace that I hadn't been to before. And Venice was one of these places and the Croatian coast. Um, uh. so I took, uh, we had, um, with a couple of friends of mine from Miami and my business, former business partner, Stephen, um, we went, uh, on a, uh, a nine day cruise, um, um, fancy cruise that, you know, left from Venice, and went down the Croatian coast at uh, uh, Dubrovnik and a few of the Greek islands. And mm. that's how I like spending my money. It was that's, spectacular. That's fine. Had you been to the uh, Greek islands before? I had been to Greece. Not, it's not Mykonos or those. It was the smaller Greek islands, um, you know, closer to the mainland. And what country is left on the bucket list that you haven't been to? Um, I went to Russia a few years ago, which was ah. on my bucket list. And I love that. I went to St. Petersburg. Um, and... Uh, had three days in St. Petersburg and we took a tour, uh, had a tour guide, felt like I had a course in Russian history. I thought that was very cool as mm-hmm. I thought, you know, so taboo. Um, had been to China when I was a kid. Um, I've been, you know, I've been to a lot of places. I think there's not really anything I can think of off the top of my head that I think Venice was that last real big one that I've mm-hmm. dreamed about and not to say that there can't be another one somewhere that I hadn't thought of, mm-hmm. but that was the last one that, that I had saved from my flying days. Mm. Yeah. What do you not like to spend money on? Gambling. I hate gambling. Gambling. <laughs> I don't like to go to casinos and I did for a lot oh, of did years. You? I really enjoyed it, but I and, cannot put my money in a slot machine anymore. I hate it. And what happened? What was like, what, what was the pivot? I don't really remember. I just feel like I'm, I remember one day and I'm putting this money in and I, you know, I have, you know, I budget myself when I go in there and I'm just throwing this money there and I was there for 15 or 20 minutes and I had, you know, put in like two or $300 and I thought, no, I'd rather go to dinner, you know, right. I'd rather have, you know, wake up with a full belly, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, I just don't like it. And I do, I do play poker. I love mm-hmm. poker. I have a group of people that I play poker with. We do tournament style. It's never a ridiculous amount of money and it's more socializing. Um, love these guys. Um, so that's what I like to do. So if you could go back in time, what piece of advice do you wish you had been given as an 18-year-old? You know, I, I think you know, I've always regretted not being pushed to go to school sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents did the best they could. You know, they, my, neither one of them had a college degree. Um, so they felt like putting us through private um, schools like uh, grade school and, and high school was a lot for them and a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was us for our, us to go to move on. And, uh, and I didn't, and I wish I would have. I, 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 and even that being said, I still had a drinking problem at that point. So I don't know how I ever would have worked out, right. but I think, you know, education's always been an issue and I wish I would have had a better education. I did go back to school. I ended up with a, you know, my degree and I got a lot of credits for what would have been considered a master's program as far as landscape architecture. So I, I, you know, I've, you know, got a little more education than I had, but I think, yeah, I wish I was a little better educated, I think. Okay. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to do that. Go. Go. It's worth it. And I don't care if you use it or not. It makes you think, teaches you how to think. 
Absolutely. And what would you say um, is your current um, financial abundance uh, mantra? Is there anything like when you go out in the world today, I'm going to be, you know, mm. is there like, you know, um, you know, I'm today I'm going to be nice or today I'm going to like, I mean, I hear you say a lot about gratitude. That's it. That's what I do. That's my mantra. My mantra is wake up. There's a prayer that I, I use mm-hmm. comes from the program that I um, is my mantra. And then I saw something <clears throat> where it was the Navy SEALs or somebody um, when they got in a situation, they were very anxious. They breathe in four. you know, they just take four deep breath, count to four, breathe in, you know, breathe out, count to four, breathe in breathe out which i got from some movie that i can't remember right now and, and i thought to myself am i that i love that i yeah. do that and then i'll do the a serenity prayer or the third step prayer for those out there who know what that is and that works for me yeah there's something about being grounded and be able to breathe and not yeah, no because it is and there's nothing it's it always works out it always works out it always does the uni- I, I i believe that the universe conspires um with us yeah so absolutely. So uh, we're coming to the end. Where can people find you? Uh, FrankAndriolo.com. Um, and and there, it's, uh, I have a website with Sotheby's. So it's Frank.Andriolo at Sotheby's Homes um, for real estate. Yeah. So if anybody out there is wanting to sell a multi-million dollar Please home, give Please. Frank a call. Wants so, to buy one. And let, or even, and that, rep- even it doesn't have to be multi-million dollar. Oh, okay. I'm okay. You'll, hey, you'll, I'm take, the, you'll anything. take anything. And I'm very good at what I do. There you go. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on um, and sharing with us. Um, I want to say to the audience, please don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And if you have a question you would like to ask um, for one of our future guests, you can email us at info at themoneynerve.com or send us a message via one of our social media sites. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify for more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars. Be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. It's been a pleasure having you. Until next time, I'm Bob Wheeler. This is Money You Should Ask. 